Well, good morning, Parkview Church. Blessings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to be with you. We're continuing our series in the Ten Commandments, and we're on Commandment 9 this morning. Thank you, by the way, Didi, for putting this here. So kind of you. Wow, yeah. And uh, we are looking at Commandment 9, which says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. As we turn to the Ten Commandments, remember that, like a coin, I think Thomas shared this last week, very simple, very helpful way of remembering kind of what's happening, Ten Commandments, right? The negative stamp on the coin is for the positive impression, right? Negative stamp for the positive impression. Negative leads to the positive. And so that's what we're looking at. As we look at each command, even at a deeper level, we see a beautiful picture of God's positive vision for how kind of this slice of life ought to be lived under the mercy of Jesus Christ. So, last week, not steal, right? Negative, you shall not steal. The positive, right, is God's generous. And he's called us to be generous stewards of what he's given to us. This week, the negative is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And if you look at this commandment, what does it show us? Well, here's kind of the main point of what we want to, to explore together from commandment nine, is that God is the God who speaks the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Therefore, we as his people, we must speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That is what we're called to in commandment nine. More simply, as God is a truth-speaking God, and so we as his people, we are to be truth-speaking people. We're to be speakers of truth in love, as Ephesians 4 just taught us. And that's what we're actually going to be exploring a little bit further. So you actually probably want to keep your Bible open in Ephesians 4. <clears throat> We're going to land there at the very end of our time together and kind of explore how that specific calling on the Christian life is to work itself out in our lives today. And so that's the New Testament equivalent passage. I know we just read the large chunk of it. I'm just going to kind of repeat and reread just two verses from Ephesians 4 because this really from Ephesians 4 is the kind of New Testament positive vision of if, the, if a community of Christ is to gain traction in obeying the ninth commandment, it will look like Ephesians 4, 25 and 29. And so here now, again, God's word, and then we'll move to prayer. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, false witness, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, that it may give grace to those who hear. So as we turn to God's word, would you please pray with me for his help to understand and obey. Father, our greatest desire through the ninth commandment, and then as we kind of land in Ephesians 4, is to uh, see Jesus. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit's power for this, to know Christ, to love Christ. This is, this is how we gain traction as Christians in obedience, is first by knowing the depth of Christ's love and how great he truly is, how wonderful he is. So help us. Help us in this, Lord. I'll become as, the, uh, as a servant to these people, Lord. I want to be a first a servant to your word to faithfully declare what you have for your people. Then a servant to these people. Help me not shrink back from declaring to them anything that would benefit them in Christ. Help me come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ today, Lord. just want to richly encourage the saints this morning in Christ. Lord, help us learn all that you teach, obey that all you command, and love all that you love. And we pray this by the Spirit's power. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone spoke falsely against me several years ago. Let me tell you the story. I was in eighth grade. It was our eighth grade graduation trip. 
And I, I was born and raised in Phoenix, and so what do you do if you're in Phoenix as an eighth grader for your graduation trip? You go to SeaWorld in California, okay? So there we are in SeaWorld, and probably everyone's familiar with this. Even if you haven't been to SeaWorld, some of those large kind of water parks, they have like kind of that lazy river raft ride, right? That kind of the whole family jumps on, it twirls in circles as you go through the park, and then there's like waterfalls that just dump and just soak you, and everyone's vomiting at the end because you're twirling so much. Okay, it was one of those rides, okay? And uh, I'm actually observing the ride. I'm on top of a bridge, right? Because the way it works at SeaWorld, at least the one in California, you know, you kind of meander through the park. You go off under a lot of bridges. Usually those bridges have like waterfalls that soak the whole family. Well, there I was, the very beginning of the day, standing on the bridge, and I noticed the raft coming kind of towards the bridge, about to go under the bridge. It looks like a guy that I recognized. And so I leaned forward to look at him. And sure enough, this guy stood up, pointed at me, and then screamed at me. Now, as an eighth grade kid, I was like, what's going on? This is so weird. So I did what every kid does, right? Fascinated. I left this side of the, the, uh, the bridge, went to the other side, you know, other, and then they, they go through. And there I was the other side, and there he was again, pointing, staring, screaming at me. I was just so confused. And so about 10 minutes later, as I kind of got off the bridge, I was like, gosh, this is weird. I don't know why this guy is screaming at me. Well, the SeaWorld sea police officer, or whatever they're called, comes up to me, kind of, you know, gets close to me, and he says, you know, young man, you see that man over there? And there's like, that guy was there red-faced, angry, and he says, you know, that guy, he said that you, you dumped water on him and his family. Now, here's the deal. First, okay, a few things to clarify. Number one, it's SeaWorld on the river raft ride. It doesn't matter if I poured water on his family or not. They're already soaking wet, so who really cares, okay? Secondly, no, I did not dump any water on him at all, and uh, unless for some reason my subconscious is like, you know, trying to uh, you know, suppress that memory. I, I just I didn't do it. But here's the third, kind of the main point is, is this, right? The rest of the day, it just, just ruined my day. It just ruined my day. Because, you know, you have to imagine me as an eighth grade kid, just terrified, you know, I'm sneaking around the Shamu water tank. I'm, you know, hiding in like the Dolphin Emporium or whatever they called it. And I'm in the Penguin Palace sneaking around. I, I just thought, here, this guy's going to turn the corner, you know, and he's, he's just going to be right there, and he's just going to, I don't know, punch me or something. I just, I just don't know. I just, the rest of the day was just ruined because this guy bears false witness against me, speaking lies about me. It ruined my day. Now, this is a silly story. But imagine if it wasn't the eighth grade graduation trip but my career, and that guy spoke lies about me to destroy my reputation and therefore ending my career in a business that I had created. Or what if that guy was on the witness stand, and we know how this happens uh, different ways in our, in our uh, society, and the false claims, as he was on the witness stands, against me, landed me three decades in prison. Let's go on and on, right? Bearing false witness, speaking untruth about your neighbor, is a serious problem because it destroys the lives of those made in God's image, people whom God loves and values. And, and, and when we participate in breaking the ninth commandment, speaking what's not true about our neighbor, it can harm their lives and dishonor the Lord. And so at Parkview Church, what God desires for us to become as a community is more and more a place that as we speak to each other and about one another, we do so, Ephesians 4, to build one another up in Christ. 
by speaking the truth in love. Building one another up in Christ by speaking the truth in love. We're going to see this from the ninth commandment in three parts, okay? Three parts. First, revelation. What does this commandment teach us about God? What does it reveal about him? Second, confrontation. We're going to see how our sin is exposed of, of who we are and how often we fail the ninth commandment. And then third, transformation. How Jesus in his mercy gets way underneath our hearts to change us and help us move forward in obedience to the ninth commandment. So first, revelation. What does the ninth commandment show us about who God is, right? The, the law is there to, to reveal God's character, what he values. And the ninth commandment shows that God values what is true. To, to bear false witness against your neighbor means to speak what is not accurate, what is not true about your neighbor. The law, here the ninth commandment, has its first application in the law court system. Because in a society of false witnessing against others, it ruins the ability of that society to be just and well-ordered. I mean, again, think of the documentaries maybe you've seen or the news reports that you've seen online of someone who maybe after decades and decades of being in prison is finally released because, you know, by further research, it realized the, the, the false claims made against them were, were not true. But they're their whole, you know, three, four decades of life gone. Because someone was not willing to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so if we would flip this, right, the negatively, it's saying, okay, we must uh, not speak inaccuracies against our neighbor, not to speak ways that shame or harm their character or reputation. Well, if we flip that, right, the coin, flip the negative or the positive, we see what God is like. And God, Parkview, is the trustworthy truth teller. He's the trustworthy truth teller. Psalm 19, a beautiful psalm about the, trustworthy, uh, the trustworthiness of God's word, of God's speech. It says uh, several things, right? It says his word is perfect, without mistake. His word is sure, 100% guaranteed reliability. His word is right, always doing what's good. His word is pure, without sin or dirty half-truths. His word is true, always accurate about what it speaks on. Numbers 23, 19 emphasizes this very same point. It says this, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. I mean, that's very exposing of who we are. You know, if God's not like us, we lie. God doesn't lie. tells the truth. Has he said and will he not do it? Get this. Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? God fulfills his word. God is faithful to the word he has spoken. He is trustworthy. He's not a huckster. He's not a trickster. He's not a liar. He's not a manipulator of the truth. He doesn't give half truths. God gives the whole truth and nothing but the truth. He is the truth speaking God. And this is important for us in our contemporary cult culture. Many commentators say that we live in a post truth culture. Where each individual nowadays is able to define and express their own truth. Oprah Winfrey once famously said, I read this on a blog post recently, what I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we have. Truth has now become personal preference. We get to invent what we feel is truth and then express it and we are then to be considered as that's validated as something accurate and good. We might say... In our culture, we speak my truth, my whole truth, and nothing but my truth. And yet what's happening is what one author calls a culture of confusion, where one person's truth is then disqualified by another person's truth 
as long as that person's promoting the values of secular Western culture. And so herein enters the wisdom and goodness of the ninth commandment. Because it shows us a God, not of confusion, but a God of clarity. A God of truth-telling. A God whose word is reliable and accurate when it says who we are as humans, who he is as God, as God, who we ought to be in response to who God is. All of these things are accurate and true, defining the contours of what is reality, what is truth. So the ninth commandment reveals to us who God is, that he is the truth-speaking God. And therefore, we as his people... Made in the image of this God, we must be truth speakers. We must declare what is right and accurate to and about our neighbors. This is where things break down for us so quickly. This leads to our second main point, confrontation. As we look at the ninth commandment, we are confronted with how easy it is to fail to do this. If it's teaching us to care for our neighbor, to love our neighbor enough, to speak truth to them, to speak truth about them, to respect and honor their reputation and character, we see our problem so often. James 3 says it this way. The New Testament letter of James says this. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, with the tongue... We bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. From the same mouth, blessing and cursing. My brothers, Parkview Church, these things ought not to be so. And yet it is so, isn't it? I mean, have you ever wondered why that for so many of us, the untrue words said to us years ago still cause discouragement, still cause pain in our lives? Because the ninth commandment is serious business. I mean, just think about the ways we forsake God's desire and wisdom in the ninth commandment. I mean, culturally, more broadly, how many people's careers have been ended due to false claims about their character? Or how many times a day do people project untruths about others on social media? Social media has basically become an online platform of gathering together and breaking the ninth commandment. Okay, now again, there's good things, social media, Twitter, yay, Instagram. Okay, we go, cool, great. But you get what I'm saying. You know how often it is, and probably many of us here have done this, to just throw stuff on the web. We probably have never researched about someone we actually don't know That's not really true about who they are. Or how many young men and women have begun hating themselves because of the terrible lies set against them in junior high or high school? How many young children are suffering under the burden of shame as their mother or their father continue to speak lies against them, berating them of their failure, how they don't measure up, et cetera, et cetera, okay? That's more broadly, okay? But more personally, where is it right now The Holy Spirit is confronting you, convicting you of your sin from the ninth commandment. How often, Parkview, have we lied about another person's motive in something they've done without actually asking them and knowing why they did the action? When have you and I flattered someone publicly when privately we disdain them in our hearts? And we do that because we just want them to like us. We're not really interested in loving them very much. How much of us 
in our lives have to become a normal habit, just normalized behavior, to speak about another person to another person in demeaning and disrespectful ways. How often has it become normalized behavior for you and I, routine behavior, with our friends or family members, whoever it is, to just complain and complain and complain about people in our lives that we don't like. How many of us have refused to speak up gently, wisely, prayerfully to tell the truth when something is wrong in our friend's life or a family member's life because maybe we fear their disapproval or whatever it is, that we haven't spoken truth to them in love, okay? Now, there are footnotes and subpoints for all of these things here, right? And I want to clarify that there are, there are and there should be safe relational spaces and honest boundaries for lament, for sharing and unburdening of your heart in difficulty in relating to other people, whether it's someone at your work or it's a family member or it's a friend or whatever. Okay? There ought to be safe places where we can share these things. And, and, and I think the kind of the defining principle ought to be the person you're sharing it with ought to be the type of person who is committed to your holiness in Jesus Christ and committed to your integrity in your relationships. It should not be someone who's like, just loves to gobble up the gossip. You know what I'm talking about. The gossip gobblers is not someone you should go to to talk about the problems you have with your coworker, where it just becomes a complaint fest between each other. That's not helpful for nobody. What's helpful is to have a friend that you trust who is committed to your growth in Jesus and living in integrity and you say things like, hey, could you help me understand how I can respond to my boss who continues to yada, yada, yada? Or could you please help me walk in wisdom with my brother? Because every time I'm with my brother, he's always blah, 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 this, that, or the other thing. And I, just, I need help because I just I want to grow in more of a loving wisdom towards him. That is the context of I'm wanting to grow, help me, instead of hate this guy, let me just barrage him with gossip and untruths. You get my point, okay? But here's the deal. Here's why false witnessing and lying is so wrong. It's because fundamentally, when we are speaking untruths about our neighbor, when we forsake you know, bearing witness truthfully about our neighbor, we are acting more like Satan... Then our Heavenly Father, Jesus says in John 8 that Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. The ninth commandment breaking finds its root in the deception of Satan. All the way back in the Garden of Eden and every day since, Satan craftily creeps towards us and says, Did God really say, Is your God really trustworthy? Can he be trusted to speak the truth? Satan, from day one, has been bearing false witness about God and neighbor. And so every lie, every false witness, every half-truth, every deception is a sabotage on the trustworthy character of God whom we are called to worship and emulate in how we speak. So instead of being the people who witness truthfully to our neighbors, we shame and harm them through words spoken to or about them in unkindness and self-righteous pride. Okay, we have a problem. And Parkview, I wonder today, how is the Lord calling you to repent? All of us here, all of us, have areas where it's become normalized to not really care very much about how we're breaking the ninth commandment. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit right now 
is bring to mind a way in which you have forsaken the wisdom of God in the ninth commandment. And we need to repent. And we need to go a step further because this is the very place where we need such deep transformation. It leads to our, our third point. Revelation, first point, God is a truth-speaking God. Confrontation, we are not a truth-speaking people, speaking truth and love. But third, therefore, we need transformation from Jesus. And his mercy needs to get all the way up under our hearts and change us. Okay, and let's linger here for a moment about who Jesus Christ is. The Gospel of John is brilliant for so many reasons. One of the reasons is this theme, this thread that kind of weaves through the whole Gospel, which is about Jesus being the truth. John 1 says this, verse 14, The Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus, full of grace and truth. John 15, it says, that John the Baptist came as one who bears witness to the truth, the truth about Jesus Christ. John 14, Jesus himself says, I am the truth. In John 18, Jesus says, for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. This is why Jesus has come, to bear the witness to the truth about who we are, who God is, and what God has done to reconcile us to himself and give us a whole new way of living as humans in community. That's the truth that Christ declares. Yet have you ever wondered how it is exactly that Jesus Christ was crucified? Just think about it, right? It was because wicked people influenced by Satan and carried on by their selfish hearts, bore false witness against Christ. It is a community of ninth commandment breakers who crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 26 says it this way. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. So do you see the heart-rending paradox we find in the Gospels? Jesus, the one person who through his whole life spoke the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And yet, that is who he is. But at the end of his life, everyone around Jesus is speaking falsely against Jesus, their neighbor. And yet there is Jesus Christ in all of his patience and his love for us, silent before his accusers. Willing to go to the cross of false accusation, though he himself is innocent. And do you know why that is, Parkview? It's because at the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus is going to the place of false accusation so that God, to the world, can make a true proclamation to a world that has been lost in the satanic lie of opposition to God, to lost in the opposition of God and have-truths and deceptions and all those things, Jesus Christ, the crucified Lord, comes as the truth who sets people free. I mean, isn't just amazing who Jesus is? At the cross of Christ, God speaks the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to a world lost in hellish lies and deception and untruth. And we might say it like this, right? In every relationship, honest truth is the core of gaining traction in a healthy relationship and moving forward. Well, here is Jesus Christ on the cross, we might say, 
speaking truth to us in love. And the two things that Jesus is saying simultaneously in honesty and love to us is number one, your sin is horrific and deserves condemnation and judgment. And at the very same time, I am the one who's bearing the judgment and curse for your sin. That is the truth of the gospel that is proclaimed to the world lost in lies and half-truths and deception. And here's why this matters. Because in our hearts of that deception and in that heart of how bent we are towards speaking what is not true, as we come to Jesus Christ, we learn of the true, true-speaking God And the more we get to know Jesus Christ, the more our hearts are melted. The more our hearts are transformed as we see him going to the place of false accusation. We, we are willing to become people who speak truth just like our Lord Jesus. And so if there's anyone here today who has not yet embraced Jesus, you wouldn't claim to be a Christian. The offer is this. There is truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You no longer have to live a life of confusion. You no longer have to live a life of being deceived of what is right and good. God has revealed that to you through Jesus Christ. And yes, you have to be honest about your sin, that it deserves judgment and condemnation by a holy God. The very same time, the truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ was crucified for sinners, And the offer for you is that you would embrace that truth today, that you would stop walking in the deceptive lives of of Satan and you'd walk in the truth of Jesus Christ that sets you free. Some of you here, maybe your life has been ruined by false witness. Well, you know that Jesus Christ knows what it's like to have your life torn apart by untruth. And Jesus Christ today wants to give your dignity back. He wants to give you a name that is better than any name. A name, according to the New Testament, says that your name is hidden with Christ in heaven right now. You have a name in Jesus Christ, a name of love, a name of forgiveness, a name of hope that is indestructible, untouchable by human evil, in false accusations. Right now, do you know that Jesus Christ, your Lord, is speaking true words of love to you before the Father? And if the Heavenly Father says you're good because of Christ, then that's the only name that you need. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And so here's how I want to finish our time together. I just want us to think it together. If we're a church that is loving this Jesus Christ, this Jesus of truth speaking in love, what type of people would we become? Two things. We become a people of evangelism and we become a people of encouragement. Encouragement probably makes sense. Evangelism, let me me tell you why. If the ninth commandment says, do not bear false witness against your neighbor, isn't evangelism bearing true witness to our neighbor about Jesus Christ? And so if we're a people that are being transformed by the truth-speaking Jesus, the one who's come to proclaim the gospel, and all throughout the New Testament, over and over again, the gospel is the truth of God, the truth of God. You'll see that all through Colossians, Ephesians. What we become is a community that speaks the truth of Jesus Christ. But even at a deeper level, 
what exactly should we be speaking to our friends that don't know Jesus, our coworkers that don't know Jesus, our family members? Well, we speak the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Now, this is why this is important. In our evangelism, we have to be clear and truthful about sin. I know nowadays that's not acceptable and it's seen as not loving, okay? But if someone's got a disease, it's not loving to tell them about that. And so in our love, we speak the truth about sin. We speak the truth about God's judgment. A holy God does judge sin. And yet, we clarify as clearly and lovingly as possible the truth that in Jesus Christ alone and in nobody and nowhere else is there salvation that he has taken upon himself your sin and judgment so that you might be set free to live with God Forever, this is the gospel that we are to speak to our neighbors. And very practically, here's one thing I want to encourage us. I encourage Central Campus. Wouldn't it be so awesome if Central Campus, East Campus, and North, we all took a step together, okay? Very practically, in the next two months, okay? Think of your family member that doesn't know Jesus, your friend, coworker, whoever it is. I've actually talked about this before, okay? So maybe it's an update. How are you doing on this, okay? But what if we all committed... Um, to just reading the Gospel of John, which is all about the truth of Jesus Christ that sets people free, reading the Gospel of John with that non-Christian friend in the next two months, okay? Just at, at least asking, okay? What if we all took a risk, okay? Took one step forward and just asked our non-Christian friend, hey, are you willing to learn about Jesus and read this with me? They might just totally reject you and think you're a fool. Okay, rejoice in that. You love Jesus. But they also might be totally interested I mean, studies are showing that people are actually pretty interested in reading the Bible. So let's all take a, a step like that together. My wife, Claire, wonderful wife, Claire, she's doing this right now. She took a risk, and um, she's meeting once a week on Zoom with a friend of hers who's exploring Christianity, not yet a Christian, and she's having a blast. And this person has said stuff like, wow, no one's ever done this to me before. Wow, I've always wanted to do She's expressing that kind of like, where, why hasn't anyone done this with me? You know, I think at this point she's a 33-year-old woman, I think, 32 and she's just loving it. Who knows if your friend is just waiting at some point for someone to say, hey, do you want to learn about Jesus? Read the Gospel of John with me, okay? Just very simple. We could just ask. Let's all do that. We can do it. We can do it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We can open our mouths and bear witness to Jesus Christ from the Gospel of John, okay? Second, a culture of encouragement, and I'll close here. As we saw in Ephesians 4, right, we are called to speak the truth to our neighbor in love, building one another up. That's what we are called to. And according to God's word, a healthy, growing church is more and more normal Christian people speaking the truth in love, the truth about Jesus to our friends and coworkers. Isn't this amazing? The Lord Jesus has put his word of truth on your lips to speak to your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ, to encourage them? I mean, isn't that just glorious? That he's given you that responsibility, that put his word on your lips to speak good news to your struggling, to your suffering, to your discouraging and despairing brother and sister in Christ. I mean, imagine. Imagine if we all took a field trip to the cancer unit at the U of I. And as we arrived at the cancer unit, the doctors came up to us and said, you can't believe this. It's never happened before. This morning... Every patient, all the cancer is gone. It's all been cured. And, and, and we, we got to tell, this is, this is great news, never happened before. We got to tell the patients. And could you imagine if then the doctors turned to us and said, here's the deal. 
we're not going to do it. We want you. You normal, you ordinary, you kind of, you know, just average people just walk around and tell all these patients that the cancer is gone. What do you think you and I would do if the doctors put that good news on our lips? We'd run around and we'd say, hey, good news, cancer is gone. You are free. It's, it's not there anymore. The disease is over. You are healed. You are free. And maybe some of the patients would, would not believe it at first. They would doubt it. They would feel so discouraged about how hard it's been, all the pain and all the suffering they've gone through. And what we would say to them is very simply, I'm speaking the trustworthy word of the doctor who knows what he's talking about. Parkview, do you know that Jesus Christ knows what he's talking about when he says our sins are forgiven, that our Father truly loves us, that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and our brothers and sisters here in this community who are discouraged, who are suffering, who are stuck in sin, what they need to hear. As Satan discourages and lies and lies and discourages them over and over again, they need to hear the trustworthy word of Jesus Christ coming from our lips. Brother, stuck in sin, do you know that Christ forgives you and he's given you new life? Sister, suffering in your pain, do you know the comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ who is with you right where you are and is walking with you? Discouraged brother or sister, do you know the Lord Jesus comes with his encouragement. It's what we are all called to. If you are a Christian and you, the Lord's given you breath in your lungs, he has given you the truth of Jesus, the word of Christ, to bear witness to your brother and sister, to your neighbor. Yes, in evangelism, absolutely, and also in encouragement. So who's the one person here at Parkview Church? Maybe there's one person you know of here Maybe it's someone who's fellow Christian, they're not this church, but you just know right now they are just in the pit. They're so discouraged. Who's that one person? Here's what we could all do by the Holy Spirit's help. We could all in the next 24 hours reach out to that person that you know is discouraged and just talk openly about something right now that you are learning about Jesus Christ that's encouraging your heart and say, hey, I've been thinking about you, and I love you. And can I just say, you know, recently, a friend of mine just did this, just this past week, we were just remembering how wonderful Jesus is together, and it just thrilled my heart. We all need friends like that. We can all do it. The Holy Spirit gives it to us. Okay, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful. There's no one like the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the truth-speaking God, and we know that the Holy Spirit right now is taking the truths of Jesus Christ, no matter where we're at, and, and bringing them to our heart. But, but, but he's doing it through us, Lord. And we are called, every one of us as Christians, Lord, if we're going to gain traction as a whole church community to keep thriving and growing in vibrant health, we're all called to this. And it is a blessing, Lord. The cancer is gone. We're free. The truth is set us free. So, Lord, help us go with joy to our brothers and sisters. Help us go in love. Help us go in excitement. Look them in the eye. Say, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, here's the truth of Christ that sets you free. Lord, help us do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.